the Second World War, a podcast by Stephen Bedard. The German annexation of Austria was sad, but what took place in Czechoslovakia was much worse. In many ways, what took place in Czechoslovakia was a picture of how the world was prepared to deal with the Nazi regime. In other words, they weren't prepared at all. Before going into the invasion, we need a bit of background on Czechoslovakia itself. Czechoslovakia, while an ancient land, was a relatively recent nation, becoming a country only at the end of the First World War. For many years, it had been part of Austria-Hungary, but with the end of the empire at the end of the war in 1918, it became its own country. Czechoslovakia came to an end as a country in 1993, splitting into the Czech Republic and Slovakia, thus existing for less than a century. Czechoslovakia was a multi-ethnic nation, the population consisting of 51% Czechs, 16% Slovaks, 22% Germans, 5% Hungarians, and some others. Notice the large German population. This would play a significant role in what would soon happen. Czechoslovakia was one of the most successful nations to come out of the old Austria-Hungary, and it was able to preserve a democratic government. That's not to say that there were no outside threats. Czechoslovakia joined with Romania and Yugoslavia for the Little Entente between 1921 and 1938 in response to concerns about Hungary's interest in regaining territory it lost during the First World War. More concerning was the internal conflict. The Slovaks felt neglected by the Czech majority and many were open to the semi-independence that they would receive from the Nazis. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves. There was also that significant German population within Czechoslovakia. They comprised almost a quarter of the population and they began to look to the Nazis in Germany for support. The Nazis were more than happy to come to their aid, but their intentions were much more than just helping their fellow Germans. This assistance would be an excuse, but it would all come down to their plans for living space, the goal of extending Germany's borders, which would ultimately include removing undesirables. These Germans in Czechoslovakia were the Sudeten Germans, or Bohemian Germans. Germans had migrated into Sudetenland as far back as the 11th century. Konrad Henlein of the Sudeten German Party had begun working with the Nazis and met with Hitler in March 1938. The next month, the SDP issued the Karlsbader program, which demanded autonomy for Sudetenland. If granted, they would then join with Nazi Germany. Hitler was quite strategic in his support for the Sudeten Germans. He made this statement in a speech. I am asking neither that Germany be allowed to oppress three and a half million Frenchmen, nor am I asking for three and a half million Englishmen be placed at our mercy. Rather, I am simply demanding that the oppression of three and a half million Germans in Czechoslovakia cease and that the inalienable right to self-determination take its place. That sounds fair, doesn't it? Too bad Hitler's interest was not just for the Sudeten Germans. However, this was much more than just a potential conflict between Germany and Czechoslovakia. Both Britain and France were very interested in preventing a Europe-wide war. Many of their leaders remembered how the First World War ignited from a spark in Serbia. 
Neville Chamberlain, Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, believed or chose to believe that the Sudeten Germans' complaints were justified and Hitler's claims honest. Chamberlain advised Czechoslovakia and its president, Edward Benesch, to hand over the Sudetenland. Benesch understandably did not want to do this and refused the advice. Violence broke out in Czechoslovakia and their military was required to bring peace. But Hitler was not done. Failing with the cry for justice, he moved to the threat of war. In September 1938, Hitler spoke to Chamberlain and demanded that the Sudetenland be handed over to Germany. Chamberlain's goal was to avoid war at all costs, and he requested a conference to deal with the Sudeten issue. On September 29, 1938, Chamberlain met with Hitler in Munich, along with leaders of Britain, France, and Italy. There was one noticeable absence to this discussion of the future of Czechoslovakia. Czechoslovakia. They were neither invited nor welcome to the discussion. The result was something called the Munich Agreement. It called for Germany to occupy the Sudetenland area starting October 10th. Not only would Germany receive part of Czechoslovakia, but so would Poland and Hungary. Little did Poland know what would soon happen to them. Edward Benesch resigned as president as he would see the writing on the wall that the end of Czechoslovakia was imminent. Winston Churchill made this observation. In the single year 1938, Hitler had annexed to the Reich and brought under his absolute control 6,750,000 Austrians and 3,500,000 Sudetens, a total over 10 millions of subjects, toilers and soldiers. Indeed, the dread balance had turned in his favor. On September 30th, while still in Munich, Chamberlain asked Hitler to sign a peace treaty with the United Kingdom. Hitler was happy to do it. Paper was cheap. This is the treaty that Chamberlain brought back to Britain, waving it in the air, announcing that he had achieved peace in our time. It's really easy to criticize Chamberlain and his policy of appeasement with the benefit of hindsight. But what we should remember is that the death of 700,000 British soldiers in the First World War was still fresh, not to mention all of the economic hardships. Chamberlain could not know what Hitler was capable of, and he likely believed that Hitler would be content with bringing in the Germans of Austria and Sudetenland into his domain. The sacrifice of a few Czechoslovakians was worth the peace that it would bring to not just Britain, but to the rest of Europe. But would this plan succeed? Churchill wrote this in November 1938. By this time next year, we shall know whether the Prime Minister's view of Herr Hitler and the German Nazi Party is right or wrong. By this time next year, we shall know whether the policy of appeasement has appeased or whether it has only stimulated a more ferocious appetite. While typical of Churchill's dramatic rhetoric, he was correct and they would know that Churchill's fears were accurate. In addition to peace with the UK, on December 6, 1938, the French-German non-aggression pact was signed. More cheap paper. However, I will say that Germany and France have a long border between them. The agreement stated that there were no territorial disputes between France and Germany, and the existing frontier was the definitive frontier. We shall see how long this lasts. But this was not the end of the story. Sudetenland was not enough. Even though Hitler stated in a speech in September 1938, 
Once the Sudeten problem is settled, no territorial problem in Europe will remain. It is the last territorial demand I have to make in Europe. This I guarantee. I'm no expert, but my recommendation would be to not purchase a used car from Adolf Hitler. Hitler met with Joseph Tiso of Slovakia, and in March 1939, Slovakia announced its independence as a pro-Nazi state. Hitler then summoned Emil Hacha, the successor to Benesch, to Berlin on March 15th and informed him of the imminent invasion of the rest of Czechoslovakia. Hitler demanded the capitulation of the Czech army, or Prague would be destroyed by the Luftwaffe. I don't want to say that it was a stressful meeting, but Hacha literally had a heart attack in the midst of it. Hitler kindly had medical care provided for him so that he could sign the capitulation. That morning, German troops entered into Czechoslovakia, encountering very little resistance. Looking back, Czechoslovakia had a good and modern army, which could have resisted the Germans, at least to a certain extent. In fact, the Wehrmacht were very happy to confiscate the excellent Skoda tanks, which they would later use against the Allies in the war. Certainly with the help of France and Britain, Hitler could have been stopped there, but France and Britain sacrificed Czechoslovakia for their own benefit. The Soviet Union, too, which had said it would support Czechoslovakia, had abandoned them. The significance of the invasion of Czechoslovakia cannot be overstated. When it was just Austria and Sudetenland, it could be claimed that Hitler was only interested in pan-Germanism. Let Hitler gather his Germans and he'll be satisfied. But once Hitler took over the rest of Czechoslovakia with all of its non-Germans, the mask had been removed. A memorandum from a meeting back in November 1937 records Hitler saying, The aim of German policy is to secure and protect the racial community and to enlarge it. It is therefore a question of living space. Later in the same meeting, he said, Only force can solve Germany's problems. Hitler had a greater hunger than anyone had imagined. He was willing to take over any country that would further his plans. Poland, which was enjoying its spoils from Czechoslovakia, would be the next victim. This brings us to the brink of the official start of the Second World War. As we've seen, Hitler has been flexing his muscles. Military production continued to increase, and the troops were being trained. Resources were being acquired. More than that, the major European powers were being tested. How badly did they want peace? How much would they let him get away with? Would Hitler be able to expand and take over its living space for the supposed superior German race before France and Britain were prepared to intervene? Thank you for listening to this episode. For you, the listeners of the Second World War podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook with a free 30-day trial to give you an opportunity to check out their service. I recommend The Munich Agreement of 1938, The History of the Peace Pact That Failed to Prevent World War II. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash hopesreason. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash hopesreason for your free audiobook. I'd also like to mention that I have been moving my Second World War podcast to my main website, and so the 
previous secondworldwarpodcast.net website will be shut down eventually. You can find this podcast at anchor.fm slash secondworldwar. You can also find the podcast and other Second World War resources at my main website, stephenjbedard.com. You can also find that at hopesreason.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, feel free to support me through Patreon at patreon.com slash hopesreason. And also feel free to leave a review on iTunes. Thank you and God bless.